0: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrooks.com, 18plus, be gamble aware.org. T's and C's apply.
2: Hello and welcome to the Game Day World Cup podcast with me, Sam Matterface, and Talk Sports football correspondent, Alex Crook. As regular listeners will know throughout the course of this tournament, we're in partnership with the lovely people down at Samsung and joining us today from the Samsung Neo QLED hub in the -the state-of-the-art Samsung store at London's King's Cross is the former West Ham and England international Carlton Cole and Game Day regular, former left-back for Chelsea, for Benfica, for Charlton and West Ham, Scott Minto. Now, in today's episode, we'll look back on the tournament as a whole, its impacts, the standout players, and whether a winter one-city World Cup may well be FIFA's template for the future. We'll also look at the big one, the World Cup final. It's France against Argentina, live on TalkSport on Sunday afternoon. This is the World Cup game day podcast from TalkSport. Well, let's start off by looking at what has been a thrilling tournament of action on the field. And uh, as a whole, it's been pretty entertaining from start until finish. So I'll go round the table and ask what you think was your defining moment of the tournament. The moment you were so glad you witnessed live and would revisit it whenever you can. Scott, do you want to start us off?
1: Yeah, yeah. Thanks for that word live, by the way, Sam. You and Crookie over there enjoying all the football <laughs> and the heat, might I say, as I took walk the dogs this morning at minus six. You're not six. cold, are you? Um, (laughs) I love it before Christmas is what you want, isn't it? Minus six. Yeah, it was, yeah.
3: I can tell you live in the suburbs.
1: (laughs) Anyway, look, I think think Saudi Arabia beating Argentina set the tone for the sort of shocks and surprises. But if you're talking about actual um, defining moment, for me, it was Lionel Messi's goal against Mexico. You know, after having lost the first game, they've been basically playing knockout football ever since. And the pressure of Argentina, one of the favorites and it being Lionel Messi's last World Cup and yet they could have been out of the tournament after two matches. So the pressure going into that game and the first half was pretty scrappy. I think both Mexico and Argentina were, were very, very nervous but suddenly that guy, he just steps up, he finds a bit of space. It's not the cleanest of strikes of his career but it's one of the most important because then you saw both him and the rest of the team just lift with their body language, and they won the game. And well, I can't say the rest is history because the final's still to come, but since then, him and the whole team have been very, very good.
2: Uh, Mine will be uh, Messi's assist for the third goal, Julian Alvarez's second goal in the semi-final against Croatia, mainly because he's come up against someone who has been the shining light of uh, the defensive battalion in the World Cup, an emerging star in Josko Vardiol, and he absolutely ruined him. He destroyed him, and I felt sorry for the lad afterwards because, you know, this is a guy at 35 who who just toyed with him and left him with twisted
4: blood, and that was a standout moment. I think maybe when I go around the table and ask this question, Messi is going to be a central thing. Hmm. Crook, what have you got? Well, yeah, I mean, Scott stolen my thunder with that Mexico-Argentina game. I was with the Argentinian fans that night. It was an absolutely wonderful occasion. But actually, I'm going to pick the Croatia goal uh, against Brazil. Commentated that game for Talk sport uh, Biggest game of my career, a World Cup quarterfinal involving uh, the multiple times winners of the World Cup. Didn't see it coming. You know, Brazil looked in control. Neymar's goal was a highlight as well. Wonderful team move and, and brilliant finish from uh, clearly one of the best players on the planet Bruno Petkovic has not done much in this World Cup but to get that deflected equaliser just knock the stuffing out of Brazil and you could see what was to come you knew that Brazil were going to lose on penalties uh, that was a seismic shock in, in the knockout rounds but there have been so many highlights I've been to 18 games in this World Cup I've seen Messi score I've seen Mbappe score I've seen Lewandowski score I've seen Ronaldo try and claim a goal that clearly wasn't his <laughs> I've seen every England game I have been absolutely blessed this World Cup I would relive it all again to be honest and Scott you might have Noticed the amount of times you reference one the biggest
2: moment of his career. I've been to this. I've been to that. Not that it's all about him. Oh, uh, Ronaldo. Is. Lots of going on, isn't it? I, I've <laughs> noticed as
1: well, Sam. This morning when we were on the group WhatsApp, him name dropping as well. Who he's oh, with now? He's changed yeah. that. I changed. He's changed. He,
2: t- he, said to me, he said to me earlier, "I've had a good tournament." All oh, right, okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> his bosses will be the
2: judge of that. Yeah, that's, that's let's see what game he gets once let, he gets let's, back. See, to let's the see NFL. what happens. Carlton, what have you got?
3: I'm, do you know what? I'm going to go for the. Saudi Arabia, Argentina game. The reason why is that I don't think we would have seen the Argentina that we're seeing now and a few other teams as well because that was an upset and everybody thought, wow, this is going to be a a crazy tournament. So for me, it's got to be that game because Argentina needed that that kick up the bum and um, they got back on track and you can see where they've got to now. They lost the first game and now they're in the finals. So it's been amazing.
1: So that's my turnaround for them. Sam, can I just add one one more moment? It's not a defining moment, but but that that Dutch free kick with the last seconds of the game. Oh, that was you know I, I'm a great sort of I'm so much into the psychology of 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 sport and and life I suppose as well. Just the, what goes through the mind and the pressure. Could you imagine if that was England? Unbelievable. And would have played that kind of free kick and it didn't work. Went straight into the wall. How much criticism. Not just going Southgate, but those individual plays will get as well. Basically, you're stepping up. You're 20 yards out. It's the last kick of the game, and if you don't score your country's out of the World Cup for the next four years and they go and do that. It's nothing short of sensational. It's fairytale stuff, isn't it? Absolutely. I know Vegos has done it before, but not on that level. Yeah, and uh,
2: about Vegos becoming the star of Dutch football for a few minutes after not really cutting it at Burnley was quite an amazing transition as well, wasn't it? Uh, you mentioned Petkovic earlier on. Did you know that he once went 620 days without scoring a goal and he was starting regularly in the Italian leagues
4: during that period? I think that was his first Croatian goal in the best for the best part of two years so he clearly times his moment doesn't he um, yeah I mean th- 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 there have been a lot of stories about that about I- individual players maybe not the players that actually you expected to take centre stage I know you're going to have a go at me because I mention him every podcast but Ulian Alvarez has oh, really come go. of age for Argentina did you know
2: that apparently Ulian Alvarez when he came into the game against Mexico changed the whole course of the tournament I think he did I mean if you go back to listen to the last six World Cup podcasts that we've done Crooks mentioned it every single time so uh, I think we're all well aware of the impact of Julian Alvarez. At least I'm consistent, yeah.
1: (laughs) Which makes a change. And Alvarez mentions crookie every time he's uh, being asked by the press. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
2: Um, I was going to ask you about your favourite game but I think you've sort of covered that during the course of uh, that first um, that first answer but I must talk about that Saudi Arabia victory over Argentina because it was it was brilliant to do but more for the fans the way that the Argentina fans it was the first time I'd been into a stadium mm. and I'd seen just the sheer scale of the number of the Argentine and Messi supporters that had made the journey from Buenos Aires and all over the country um, and also the Saudi fans the Green Falcons that sea of green that was one end behind behind the goal. It was absolutely terrific. The atmosphere was brilliant for that match. Let's talk a little bit about the surprise of the tournament. I don't think there's any doubt about what the surprise of the tournament is. It's Morocco getting to the semifinals. Why didn't we
4: see them coming? And what is their legacy, Crook? Well, actually, I spoke to... Uh Oishan Roberts, who's a coach at Crystal Palace, who was technical director at the Moroccan FA for a couple of years, up until the summer of 2021. And the reason we didn't see them coming is because, as he told me, there was no kind of form coming into this World Cup. They changed coaches on, on numerous occasions. And I don't think even their supporters fancied them to get out of the group. I think Scott said that on air, let alone uh, to reach the semi-finals. So that's why we didn't see them coming. I think the legacy will be uh, maybe a change in the way that African teams are are taken seriously or not in this competition. And the coach spoke about it in his pre-semi-final press conference. He said, basically, African teams in the past have been seen almost as a figure of fun. We're here to enjoy the party. Not anymore. We're here to take it seriously, and we're here to go deep into tournaments. And I hope that happens, because I would imagine, I was too young to remember, but we were probably having uh, conversations similar to this Italian 90 when Cameroon did so well. It didn't really happen for Africa. They didn't really kick on as you expected. I think this might be different. Maybe Ghana as well in 2010
2: inspired that as well. Senegal in 2002. what about uh, you, Scott? What do you think the legacy is going to be for, for for Morocco? Do you think some of those players will be cherry-picked by big European clubs now? I mean, there's one or two that are already playing at big European clubs. Yeah,
1: first of all, I'm not having cricket was too young back in 1990. Um, <laughs> anyway, let's move on about his passport. <laughs> no, need uh, no need for that. No, no. Uh, y- yes, absolutely. Uh, I'd be very surprised if Sofian Amrabat's not in the Premier League next season. Um, I think he's been sensational I think there's a lot of players that have and yeah I don't think we did see it coming because it shouldn't have happened you know it was almost a bit like Denmark in 92 and and Greece in 2004 just sometimes all the stars align and and when you've got you know we didn't expect them to to qualify and yet they won the group and then they're up against Spain and it's it's not really going to happen and yet their defending was was just superb and Actually, I thought they deserved to win within 120 minutes, let alone the penalties. And then against Portugal, again, defending superb, capitalised on a mistake. And, and that's why I worried about them um, when they conceded early against France, because with you concede early, you know, you want it to be nil-nil as long as possible from a Moroccan point of view. But absolutely, fantastic players. Um, the manager, for him to come in since September and put everything together. Again, sometimes it's a bit like, I've just got to keep these players happy. Um, and and then just see what happens, and in, in the course of a tournament as well, momentum builds e- either one way or the other. And you know they have been without doubt standout team of the tournament. Whoever goes on to win it, Morocco are the the, the big story.
3: Yeah, when it, I was look at obviously I play with um well I play I don't play anymore, but um I've, I'm quite close to Naif for God. Um, he's obviously at West Ham's done really well, um, so. I'm really happy to see his progress in this tournament. Um he was injured obviously at the start of um the season, the Premier League season and just been bought um by West Ham and then he he, he was he was obviously upset. He got injured in um in uh, one of the pre-season games then came back for the few um European games as well and done really well for West Ham, so I'm really happy to see him Actually playing, starting for his country, and uh, I know that he got a knock leading up to, after the. I think it was the quarterfinals. He couldn't play that game, and then um, just yesterday as well, it was semifinals. He just got out of. He, he, I think he was a, available, but something happened at the start of the game, and he and he had to come off the come off the the, the starting program. So uh, do you know what? For him, I'm really happy, but with more, what Morocco's put out there. It, it's, it's, it's been remarkable for me. He's been unbelievable and it's, it's just been a great contest for him.
2: Um, which player have you gone away thinking from the tournament, oh, he's, he's for me, I, I like him, I'd like to see more of him again. Amrabet's going to get a lot of mentions, but Gvardiol still looks sharp for me. But I think probably Griezmann's reinvention has has hit the headlines. That's the one for me. Griezmann has
3: been unbelievable. If you look at how he's adapted to different roles in that team, he can he can play up front, he can play centre midfield, he can play holding, he can do everything. And yesterday just um, showed exactly what type of player he is. So Griezmann for me, I was. it's not that I wasn't rating him before, but he's really impressed me this time out.
2: Um, let's build a team of the tournament then, shall we, with uh, some of our favourite players that we've seen over the course of the last three and a half, four weeks. Um, goalkeeper, I'll throw it to nominations, you lot decide. Uh,
4: Lavakovic, Martinez and Loris, who are you going for? Martinez for me, uh, probably Novakovic deserves an honourable mention, but Martinez hasn't been quite the same goalkeeper, I think, for Aston Villa uh, the last six months, as maybe he was when he first got there. But I think he's been terrific this tournament, particularly in that penalty shootout win against the Netherlands, because it wasn't them missing penalties, it was him saving them. Yeah, cracking saves during that. Really sort of over to, athletic, over to the corner, big,
2: strong arms. Um, Scott, what have you got? What do you reckon?
1: I'll let Carlton have the deciding vote, unless he goes for Lloris, of course. I'm going to go for Lloris. I think yep. he's a bit. I think he was superb. Um, I can count himself very unlucky to to not still be in a tournament and everything you want from a goalkeeper. But to be fair, I mean, you know, Cooky's right with Martinez as well. And, and, and even Larisse we talked about him being um, liable for Rick. Mm. And yet against England, he was superb. And in the whole tournament he is. I still think he is. As a shot stopper, he's brilliant. Yeah. I think coming out for crosses, he's not the best, but... He hasn't made a mistake so far, but I'm going to go for Lavakovic.
2: Okay, back four then. Um, I think it's either Juranovic or Molina at right back. I'm going to go Molina just because of the run that caused so much chaos in the uh, Croatian defence to allow Julian Alvarez to score the Argentine's second goal in the game in the semi-final. Uh, Gvardiol, who I still think has been very, very good. Varan, who did very well in the semi-final. Um, Saïs, they're the three are sort of that come straight to mind. Um to, Teo Hernandez possibly as well, left back. Go on then, who are you going to nominate?
1: Harry Maguire. And I'll tell you why, because of the pressure that was on that lad's shoulders going into uh, the World Cup itself where 95% of the country didn't want even want him in the squad, let alone in the team. And I've said this before on the podcast, Sam, where, you know, I, I had a function on the first day and I was asked my, my team of England team and I said, you're going to get me booed here because I'd have Harry Maguire and everyone booed. <laughs> And yet he was nothing short of brilliant. You know, I, I think he didn't put a foot wrong. He was our best player in, in many of the games. But again, just the psychological side of things, walking out, knowing that most of your country didn't want you to play and were waiting for you to make the slightest rick. When he's not the quickest, I, I thought he was brilliant.
2: I don't
4: think he makes it into the team of the tournament personally, but Crook? No, I, I probably don't disagree with your centre-halves. So I think we... Guardiola for certain, all right, <laughs> was tied in knots by Messi, but we've all been there. Uh, I think Hakimi, Hakimi uh, as a fullback that surely deserves an honourable mention. Yep. Uh, he would be my choice. I like Juranovic um, as well. Does Luke Shaw possibly come into contention for left-back? I'm only saying that because Teo Hernandez was given a torrid time against Bukayo Saka in that quarter-final, so I'm struggling to put him in team of the tournament.
2: Kuna maybe at left-back?
4: Yeah, possibly.
3: Carlton? Teo Hernandez was brilliant, mate. He was unbelievable. you got to understand where he's come from as well. He wasn't even a starter. And then obviously his brothers got injured and he's come in. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And to, to get your head around that and, and to be a top performer in, in, at, 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 for France as well, that weren't really, uh, they weren't really pulling up any trees defensive-wise. or going forward. But when his brother got injured, then he had to come in. And then he's just been brilliant ever since. And he's even got
2: a goal. Okay, so we've got Lavakovic, Hakimi, Gvardiol, Varan, and Teo Hernandez. I think we'll settle on that as our goalkeeper and back four. In midfield, can anyone argue with me here? Bellingham,
4: Amrabat, and Modric. No, I think that's perfectly fair. Um, I was impressed with Casemiro for Brazil as well, possibly. Um, if you're yeah, looking because he's for, a Manchester United If you're though. looking for a counter suggestion, no, I think he had a good World Cup. I mean, the fact he kept Fabinho off the pitch uh, highlights that. But yeah, I, I, you can't argue with that trio, really.
1: Scott? I'd put Griezmann in there. I know you've got him a little bit further up, but he's been playing as that number eight. So, you know... I'd, I'd have Amrabat as the holder and then Bellingham and Griezmann either side. All right. Okay.
2: I've got Griezmann, Mbappe, Messi and Bufau as the forwards and, you know, I let you decide on that. But Griezmann could play as a 10, couldn't he? In that sort of, and then you have two forwards, Messi and Mbappe that speed off into different positions left and right. That's my, that, that, that's my suggestion. Debate it. I could put
3: Griezmann instead of Bellingham. I know Bellingham's got the whole world at his feet. He's going to be, be doing r- brilliant. But I think Griezmann's adaptability, man. He's been brilliant um, this tournament, and I feel that he should be up there in that midfield because that's where he's. That's where he's
2: played. Give me some forwards apart from uh, Olivier Messi Giroud. And yeah, I, yeah. I, I say Giroud. You as can't well.
3: go with Giroud. Like, mm. I can't believe Giroud's not even in amongst it. I know he's not a fashionable forward, but his his productivity is unbelievable. Like he gets goals. He's he's a nuisance. He actually creates so much havoc, and it creates space for like the Mbappes, the Mbele's. and and, and he just gets underrated
1: because he's just not that fashionable striker. I I agree. I think he's really underrated, but he's one of those, well, not if you're a teammate. I mean, what is he, 36 now? And arguably, arguably having the best season of his career at Milan. You know, he didn't even have a shot on target, let alone score a goal in the last World Cup. And yet here he is still with a chance of the golden ball. And yeah, I do think he's very underrated with the, the sort of movement he has and, I mean, what a header that was for the winning goal against England.
4: He has to be the number nine. You could go Messi one side, Mbappe the other, and play Griezmann deeper in midfield, as Scott suggests.
2: So here's our team then. Lavakovic in goal, a back four of Hakimi Gvardiol, Varane and Teo Hernandez, with Amrabat and Modric as the two holders, Griezmann just in front of them, then Messi, Giroud and Mbappe. That's not bad.
1: That's not bad. How would that get get on against the talk sport team, Sam, (laughs) that you played?
2: (laughs) Uh probably do quite well. I am just suggesting, I don't see. Very difficult to get past crookie and goal. He did, they did concede five, but he <laughs>
4: <it>. <laughs> How big the goal? Hey, there was some acrobatic goalkeeping which I didn't know I had in my locker. Ask any of Ask Elie Luka. Seriously? Luca couldn't
2: squeeze one past oh, you, could hey, you? Man. He tried very, very hard. She certainly <laughs> did. Um, uh, manager of the tournament, difficult look to look past, Waleed
1: Um Any other suggestions, Scott? I, I don't really think France have been particularly brilliant in this tournament. Uh, you know, they've been very functional. And when, when I've talked about Mbappe being 70% of, of France, well, the last couple of games, you haven't seen much of him. And, and it's been Griezmann who's stepped up and, you know, I don't think they deserve to get through each of the last two rounds, but you've got to give it to Diddy Deschamps for somehow overseeing a World Cup win in 2018. He's already won it as a player and now he's in the World Cup final, um, you know, and, and with half the team out, Benzema, Pogba, um, you know, Kante and a few others as well that, that would have been in the first team, not just the squad. So I think he's he's got to be in there with a shout and and obviously Scaloni as well, that he's still a very young manager and he was the cheap option, wasn't he, when they they got rid of the last one and yet he's won the Copa American in the final of the World Cup. So you got to give those two, but yeah, you, you can't look further than reg at all for me
2: yeah i think scaloni obviously deserves a mention because of the fact that he had never done any coaching before he was part of the backroom staff he moved up as the caretaker manager won the copper america and now he's guided argentina to their first world cup final since 1990 well the second cup final since 1990 they played in 2014 as well but the opportunity to win a world cup final for the first time since 1986 it's got to be recognized that this guy has somehow managed to mould this group of players. They had so many problems trying to get the best out of Messi in a national team shirt. He's managed to do it. So, look Whether that's down to him or it's down to Messi himself or whether it's a partnership between the two will probably be up for debate for many a
4: year to come, but I think he deserves recognition. I think you have to give uh, Zlatko Dalic a mention as well because Croatia, obviously uh, an aging team, last dance, not just for for Modric, but probably for Perisic in that midfield as well. They didn't really have a a, a goal scorer to get to the semi finals and continue what's been a really successful period I think he deserves an awful lot of credit I think tactically he's been very good at this tournament yeah I also thought the Japan coach did very well
2: tactically as well thought it was absolutely amazing tactically
1: yes he did yeah. He substitutions and changed things and changed the game and can I just chuck in Gail Southgate uh, uh, you know, one penalty away from, what well, I think, what many believe would go on and, and beat the, the current world champions, and would therefore be the favourites. I think we would have beaten Morocco as well. He, he did everything he could do as a manager. A, a slight few little things, as both Quicky and I have said, we would have put Rashford on instead of, of Sterling. But but Mount won the penalty. Well,
3: that's the in-game, ca- um,
1: yeah. But that, that, that that he that's hasn't that's that's what, that that's one thing. That, that's one thing. And that's uh, the main thing. Yeah, but I, I, we, I've had this conversation where when you're on top and you've wrestled from a really poor refereeing decisions in the first half and you're on top, you don't then make changes when you're on top and looking like you're going to go and score. You wait to see how it's going to happen and, and because quite often in substitutions, when subs are made, it actually goes the other way and it make, makes it scrappy. So look, we could have the argument for ages there, but I, I think he, he was very unlucky.
2: Okay. David Dean has been speaking uh, over the course of the last 24 hours where he suggested that one City World Cups and Winter World Cups may be part of a future template uh, for
4: this competition. You've been speaking to him, Crook. What has he said? Well, I think he said from a football fan's perspective, this has been his favourite World Cup. He was able to attend an incredible amount of matches, even more than me. Um, he did the four games in one day, as did our colleagues Adrian Durham and Jim Proudfoot. He thought the infrastructure that uh, Qatar have put in place in terms of transporting people to and from games worked seamlessly. It did pretty much. I have to say, um, they've made it very easy for us. Uh, he thought the quality of football was better uh, for a Winter World Cup because obviously it's mid season, so players are fully fit and fully sharp and not not too tired. Yeah. Um, And he also felt that uh, a one city world cup could be uh, a thing in the future. I don't think it's going to happen regularly, but I could see a case where maybe once every decade we, we, we move the world cup to the winter replay in one city. I wouldn't be against it. I mean, I've got nothing to compare it to because it's my first world cup, but I can see the benefits. Well, it's interesting because we talked about this uh, earlier in the competition about the
2: idea of, it following the template of the Olympics, the Olympics always play in one city in one country. Um, and it, I, I did sort of think, first of all, what is a good idea because you can get to so many different games and everything's concentrated in one area. But then I thought about one, this is a very unique country is, yeah. in the fact that Qatar has one major city and that is it. And it dominates pretty much most of the, the landscape. I think 75, 90, 80% of the people live in Doha. The, it's okay when you've got limitless amount of cash where you can put in that infrastructure. Not every city has got that. Yeah. And also, one of the great things about a World Cup, Scott, I don't know, and Carlton, um, is that you know you when you go, you, you, you go and you end up having to tour, you have to backpack between different cities. You have to stay in hostels. You have to, you know, you have to slum it a little bit. You have to get on a train with all the Irish fans from one part of France to another part of France, because that's how you continue the journey. And, and those journeys and seeking out the next destination is part of the fan experience as well. It is unique. It has been brilliant that we've seen so many games. We've been lucky enough to see. I think I'll get to 17 or 18 by the time that the the end of the World Cup comes, but ultimately, World Cups are a little bit more spread out than that because they're culture experiences as well. There isn't as much culture here to get involved yeah, in.
3: How's the traffic been out there? Because a one-city game over here is going to be crazy with the traffic.
4: Well, exactly. <laughs> it's, yeah. got, it's got worse as, as the tournament yeah, has progressed. Actually, it reached fever pitch when Morocco booked their place in the semi-final. I think now that Morocco are out, it might calm down a it's bit. It's still not,
2: still not as bad as you would expect it no. to be. I mean, the transport to and from the stadiums really, I mean, has been pretty seamless. I mean, I know there's been some horror stories and getting buses back really late. And when you've got matches that finish at 12 o'clock, it's not particularly easy to get back from, from, from the farest
4: flung place which is about half an hour away um, and I'm not, I'm not convinced all the bus drivers and, and Uber drivers have necessarily passed their driving test either but we'll leave that. I'm not
2: sure he's passed his driving test can I
1: ask a question though is David Dean is, is he working on behalf of FIFA or speaking on behalf of FIFA or was that just his own personal
4: opinion no it was his own personal opinion um, and he was quite keen to, to gather um, some of the journalists out here working for UK media around the table and, and just, just get his point of view across really because I do think and this has been a theme for me of the tournament I think the way that the tournament has been reported by some back home is not necessarily uh, a realistic fan experience most England fans I've spoken to uh, for example uh, have been able to get their hands on as much alcohol as they want so this myth about the fact that there's been no arrest for England or Wales fans is because there's no alcohol on sale inside the stadiums don't believe that England fans haven't been drinking because they certainly have yeah, yeah.
2: Some of the England j- journalists have been drinking quite a lot as well.
1: I'm <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well,
2: no still very close with um, Arsene, Arsene Wenger, Wenger the uh, FIFA chief of global
4: football development. That's the, the same, David. Thing
1: <laughs> that that for me is there's there's a link there because I, I'll be honest with you, I've loved the World Cup and even even. Just before it or the start of it, mm. people saying it doesn't feel like a World Cup, you know, blah blah blah. I mean, you had the, the you had Premier League one weekend, the World Cup the next weekend, um, and with it being in the winter, it's it's not quite the same. And you ask, for example, I'll give you just chuck out a couple of examples: Ben Chilwell and, and Reese James, if they like a, a mid season, um, you know, World Cup injuries do happen during a season, and it actually surprised me how many injuries do happen during a season when when people sort of weren't able to therefore be called up who perhaps would have been and you normally get like a, a three-week warm-up from the end of the season where the season's finished you digest that and then you build up towards the World Cup which makes it really exciting by the time it was round one now if this wasn't as exciting as it was almost straight from from round one and shocks it would have taken a week or two for everybody still to have got you know, it might be different for people over there in in Qatar if you if you're really involved in it. But back here in Blighty, you know, it it took those type of games for us to re- well, a lot to of people interested. to really get into it. And I, I just feel personally, look, Qatar had no choice. It is Doha, really or nothing. Yeah. You know, imagine in England, it's, it's the size of Yorkshire. If you have it in England, you kind of got to have it in London, really, because of the amount of stadiums in London. Mm. That's not unfair with the people of Birmingham, Liverpool, you know, Bristol, Newcastle, Manchester. Uh, uh, for me, I, I'm listen. I, I was a hundred percent into it because it was a World Cup, but I wouldn't like it on a regular basis. I'll be basically, honest.
3: Basically, when, as well, when you look at it, when I, if it's like, if it is um, a one city World Cup, I, I just don't see how it works in London if that was ever going to happen, or if it's going to, if it goes to well, America, it might not work in London, but it might
2: work in Tokyo. It might work in LA. Yeah. It might we'll work. We'll never in- get it. We'll never get it again. You know what I mean? We do, so, because I don't, I don't think, think we're going to get it again
4: anyway. <laughs> it's it's, it's no, not going to be. No, no, so <laughs> I'm and not also, saying every World Cup will be in one city, but I think every now and again, this format might well be implemented and I think it might work. Okay. Um, France and Argentina have had a great tournament.
2: They'll be very happy that they're in the World Cup final. Live commentary on TalkSport on Sunday afternoon, including all the closing ceremony stuff and all of the uh, uh, reviews of the tournament with Adrian Durham, Jim Proudfoot and Stuart Pierce behind the mic. Looking forward to that. So here's a very quick World Cup preview.
4: Argentina against France. Messi versus Mbappe, the GOAT against the world champions. Lionel Messi's left foot's propelled his country towards the brink of success to the accompaniment of a soundtrack of marvel and adoration. Lionel Messi celebrates a grand's worth of
2: games with a grand old finish. 25 yards out, low shot from him, and
4: Lionel Messi has done it! He's got a contract with a glue company because that ball is stuck to his feet. It's a medical miracle, he's a football miracle. If Messi plays like that, they could be lifting the World Cup for the first time in 36
3: years. Julian is obviously the best player in the world right now. Ah!
2: just when they needed him. And Mbappe
4: has been on the periphery of the game for so long, but he's had a major role in both of the goals, and that's often what world-class players do. Big players, big
1: expectations, big moments. They deliver. Incredible.
2: We will do a full preview of the World Cup final on Sunday morning when you wake up. It'll be available to download in the usual places from all your podcast providers. Just search for the Game Day podcast or you can go to the TalkSport app. You can flick through uh, to podcast page and we're just down there uh, with uh, all of the uh, preview material that you will need ahead of the World Cup final. France, the first country to reach successive World Cup finals since Brazil 20 years ago. It's a sixth World Cup final for Argentina who uh, have been there in 2014. Uh, won it in 1986 and made it in 1990 they sort of scrapped their way through in 1990 as well then lost 1-0 to an Andreas Bremer penalty against Germany Uh, so let's go through what you think will happen Carlton do you want to start us off Uh, I'm not sure I'm not sure I'm gonna I'm gonna pass it to Scott
1: first and then I'm gonna mullet do do you know what I'm passing that hot potato to (laughs) anybody you know I'm, I'm so um stopping trying to predict yeah because the predictions i've made in the last few rounds i mean you look at the quarterfinals and there was only one of the the teams that i picked and that was argentina to get through did get through you know there's just been so many shocks and surprises but you know where the key battles are i mean first of all you have to say it's either saudi arabia or tunisia who can turn around and say well we've beaten the world champions (laughs) and that in itself is is incredible um But look, it it kind of is Messi versus Mbappe. Although Mbappe has shown in the last couple of games, or France have shown in the last couple of games where Mbappe's not quite at it, we can still grind out a win. You know, Mbappe hasn't got 15 years just because of his age, age. but he's trying to do that. He's got
3: two two World Cup finals.
1: Yeah, he has. He has. But I don't think he's had the influence over France in the way that Messi's had the influence over Argentina. And... No, uh, yeah. no. And, and, and Mbappe started the tournament well. But as I say, the last couple of games, I think he's been kept pretty quiet. You can turn around and say, well, he's made a couple of assists. And, and actually, I actually remember Rude Hullit used to say to us at Chelsea, look, I just want you to do two things that affect the game. So in that sense, Mbappe can say something. Deficient. But, yeah. I, you know, I, I thought it was really interesting what, what Mauricio Pochettino said on, on TV. And I totally agree with him where Mbappe likes to play out on the left. And, he, you know, he's had an argument with his gaffer at PSG that he wants to be more out on the left and not down the middle. But when the ball isn't coming to him, he needs to be able to find it and affect the game in the way that Lionel Messi does. Mm. And actually, although you would probably say Mbappe is the best player in the world, if I'm turning around and saying, look, a bunch of aliens have come down and said, right, let's, let's, um, let's have a game and, you know, we'll, we'll do what we want with your... earth. <laughs> I, 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 and you can pick one player yeah. that would definitely be in the side. Even at his age now, it would be Lionel Messi. And you're right; he does walk, but the times where he he times his runs, he times his 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 opportunity to make his most and make his his stamp on the game, yeah. he does that. And I actually would have. Let's just say, if I was um, you know English, who would I pick right now mm-hmm. if we were in the in the World Cup final? Who would I want? Mbappe or Messi? I'd go for Messi.
2: Stuart here saying after the game uh, between France and Morocco on talk sport in the semifinal, he said, I'll give Mbappe two out of ten. Oh. Um, Messi's got some unfinished business, hasn't he? Because he wants to go out in a blaze of glory. He wants to sign off with the only major trophy that he hasn't managed to lift so far. You seem to think it's written in the stars. I just think they'll find a way to do it. I mean, I think France I have got those, mo- those moments, those YouTube clips from Mbappe, the bigger, more powerful centre forward. They've got Griezmann, but for some reason, I just think the energy. And when you go into the stadium on Sunday, it will be three quarters mm-hmm. light blue and white and then a small pocket of French.
4: It will be almost like a home game for Argentina. And I think all the neutrals watching and listening at home will be rooting for Argentina as well because Messi, uh, unlike Ronaldo, his great rival isn't a divisive character. I think most people are in love with Lionel Messi. Certainly, I've fallen in love with him watching him in the flesh three what, or four what about times the Dutch? in this tournament. Maybe the Dutch are not quite so in love. <laughs> Edgar Davids, maybe he's not his best mate. But unlike Carlton and Scott, who are sitting firmly on the fence and haven't given us a prediction, I'm quite confident Argentina win this game. I think it is written in the stars for... Messi. really
3: okay i'm
2: gonna go going france. france. i'm going france there you go i've coaxed it out yeah. of it. well done yeah i think we're we're, we're we're both going argentina so scott you're the only one not to commit yet
1: right i'll, I'll listen my heart and and i i fell in love with messi before you did crookie you did um <laughs> but i would love argentina to do it because of messi mm. but but my head says france they, they just, just find a to way win.
3: they know how to win they'll find a way
2: Okay. Right. Well, we'll we'll find out on Sunday afternoon, live on TalkSport. Remember, there'll be a full preview, tactical preview with Crook and I uh, on Sunday morning when you wake up, looking ahead to the World Cup final, live on TalkSport. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Myself and Crook will be back tomorrow alongside Darren Lewis. He'll be with us for another Game Day World Cup podcast brought to you by the Samsung Neo QLED TV. Remember to get yourself down to King's Cross if if you can and check out the wonderful Samsung store where you can actually visit with Scott and Carlton are right now. uh, The Samsung Neo QLED Hub. Unfortunately, the boys won't be there. They do have homes to go to. (laughs) But the Samsung Neo QLED TV will be there where you can enjoy yourself in depth of a limitless picture, breathtaking audio, and experience brilliant viewing at its best. Thanks for listening.